Welcome to Thriller Premium. Welcome to Thriller Premium. Gathering all the information you would need to stay ahead of the curve on your crypto investments. Welcome to Thriller Rundown. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls from around the world. Gather around. It's time for another exciting episode of Thriller Rundown. Today is January 25th, 2021, and we are talking micro strategy. Yes, and how they will actually probably have already won the decade. That's right. Coming up here at the top of the rundown. Let's do it. The Rundown. You know, it's no surprise that MicroStrategy is investing in Bitcoin. It's been around since the, I guess, early, eh, early 90s, late 80s. And the CEO, Michael J. Saylor, started the company. And uh, quite honestly, it was supposed to be just be a software company, right? That's kind of how it started. Uh, and, and it recently just got into Bitcoin. Uh, as of last year. And not only did it get into Bitcoin, it it, it basically jumped in head first, <laughs> right? Uh, as of today, they are now holding 70,784 Bitcoin in total. And that's according to a recent filing. And the firm's average purchase price for that Bitcoin is $16,035 per coin. This is higher than it was previously because we know they started jumping in late March of last year uh, when uh, they uh, completed its original purchase of uh, 29,646 Bitcoin at that time. Um, but they've been raising around $650 million in debt securities in order to invest further into Bitcoin. That's according to an SEC filing. But... This is not out of the ordinary for Michael Saylor and his company at MicroStrategy. They are really into Bitcoin. They are headfirst into Bitcoin. They are one of the few companies who are seeing this vision of what Bitcoin can be. And that's why I believe personally that they are going to win this decade. And when I say win this decade, I mean literally win this decade. Right now in the world, there, there are five big tech companies, right? Facebook, Amazon, Google, Apple, Microsoft. And then in, in sixth place, you probably have Tesla, right? SpaceX, right? I, I think I think we can kind of look here in those top five and i think by the end of the decade one of those five are going to get swapped out with microstrategy and you're probably wondering well car why do you say that why are you saying this 
<laughs> well, to be quite honest with you, Facebook, we know that uh, they are invested in their Libra stable token, right? Uh, we know a lot of people have left their uh, WhatsApp here recently, right? Uh, they're in all sorts of trouble here uh, with the Congress and uh, the House because of what went on uh, here recently uh, with the with the past administration and uh, all of that stuff. And uh, we also know that they're not looking at Bitcoin. <laughs> and quite frankly, uh, I don't think they want any part of Bitcoin, uh, Facebook, that is. Uh, we know Amazon has something to do with Bitcoin and possibly Ethereum, right? There's rumors of that going on and possibly them stepping into it at some point later this year. At least that's what a little bird has told us. Uh, Google, we know they are looking at Ethereum heavily. And at some point they are going to be jumping in head first. Apple always waits, right? We know Apple is one of those companies that waits till a market has been solidified and then they come in there and they wave their magic wand and they make it cool and they make it catchy. And then they say, we made it. <laughs> we made this. We made <laughs> Ethereum. We made Bitcoin cool. So now everybody can jump in now. <laughs> That's what Apple does, right? Uh, just like they reinvented the headphone uh, <laughs> all over again with their AirPods and all that stuff. That's what Apple does, right? Uh, so, yeah. Uh, you, you, you guys know I'm kidding, right? I'm kind of joking, half kidding. And then there's Microsoft. We know Microsoft's heavy into uh, Bitcoin, right? That They're building right on top of it uh, with decentralized identity uh, solutions. We know they've partnered with Ethereum in the past. And then there's MicroStrategy and Tesla. We know... Michael Saylor has talked to Elon Musk, possibly rumors circulating that Tesla might be the next Bitcoin bull <laughs> holding Bitcoin in, in its balance sheet. We know that's possibly circulating right now in the space. So there's a possibility that that could happen. Um, and we know MicroStrategy is doing whatever it can to throw any and whatever money it can at Bitcoin. So, Right now, Facebook is looking like the odd man out <laughs> on, on, on this five big tech companies in the world. Um, yeah, it's not a good look for Mark Zuckerberg right now if I'm, if I'm sitting on, on that list. Uh, MicroStrategy is gunning for you. And, and, and quite honestly, what Michael Saylor is doing right now is not a bad idea. If you look at where these trends are headed as far as the technology sector, we are going to start seeing more global connectivity here, right? We know that we know everything is getting connected globally, right? There's trillions of, of devices that are just out there on the cheap right now as far as just cell phones. Everything is coming online. Uh, 5G networks are rolling out, 4G networks, 2G networks, 3G networks. Everything is coming online as far as internet devices. If we look at just the uh, the uh, abundance of, of just uh, embedded devices with uh, some sort of intelligence built into it. I mean, as far as microchips, 
uh, or smart cameras, all that's going to come online. If you look at just the type of AI and algorithms and machine learning that can be built into those tools, uh, that's all going to be, uh, you know, geared towards software engineers and, and, and software developers, right? You know, in, in the same <laughs> driveway that MicroStrategy already plays in. Uh, if you look at what uh, Tesla's doing with renewable energy on their side, um, all this is looking like uh, a, a place for companies who are holding Bitcoin on their balance sheets to scoop up other companies who are severely over leveraged here in the coming decade. Michael Saylor is building a, a, a behemoth here. And if you just look at what they've done here this past year, it's 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 pretty alarming, right? So check so check this out. This was this was news to me because I had no idea it had gotten it had gotten like this because I, I really had no idea it was this big. So if you didn't know, MicroStrategy is a, a software business intelligence company, uh, mainly for enterprise uh, companies out there. And so according to NASDAQ, they were around $100, $125 last year, right before they started buying Bitcoin. Now they're around you know $565 on NASDAQ. Um, if you if you look at what has happened here just in this past year, um, MicroStrategy's market capitalization is around five point four billion dollars right now, and two point three billion of that comes from Bitcoin. Its share prices tend to go up and down with the price of Bitcoin, which shed five thousand in value between Wednesday and Thursday before rebounding somewhat today. Um, yeah, they are building more capital towards the long term. So if you if you look at here in the next five to six years and we know where the price of Bitcoin is going, um, we are talking in the billions, ladies and gentlemen. Um, and, 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 and at that point, uh, there's not a company in the world they can't buy, right? So, uh, and then at that point, there's not a, company in the world they can't throw a life preserver to uh and then it's it's checkmate for any company in the world that they want to engulf um yeah i kind of understand what michael saylor is doing and the the, the 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 crazy thing is is no one's talking about this no one's saying the word <laughs> about this um uh, but i think i think i know where this is headed um you know these five big tech companies, uh, I'm sure a lot of them aren't betting on on the long term of where this is headed. Uh, Michael has talked about somewhat of what he sees happening this decade. He, he keeps talking about 48 months from now in a lot of his interviews. He keeps talking about 48 months from now, you're going to need a life preserver. He keeps having this 48 months from now kind of scenario. There's a cash crisis happening. 48 months from now. He keeps talking about this stuff. It keeps you keep I keep watching these interviews with him hour, 2 hours long. 48 months from now, we're in a cash crisis. I don't know if it's a I don't know if it's just a matter of him trying to, you know, uh recruit more companies to jump on his train or if it's just a matter of his the way he he speaks. 
But there's something in that kind of talk that has my ears perking. Uh, it's interesting. Uh, I, I'm paying attention. Um, but it, it's definitely something that I uh, I found uh, very uh, interesting to, to kind of see. But uh, that comes that comes back time and time again in his interviews that I watch. Take a listen to what he says here. This is going to be kind of long, but I want you to listen to what he says because it really demonstrates to me his vision to how he sees Bitcoin performing here in the next decade. And, and, and quite frankly, a lot of what he says here, I agree with. Uh, it, really, it really comes down to breathing and <laughs> what the world is, is becoming right now, especially with fiat currency. Take a listen. maybe not treating it. We saw something of Ripple last couple of weeks as far as I, I know. I don't follow it very closely. But um, but what's to prevent, you know, a really black swan event, as Taleb would say, from, you know, government just saying, you're this is now illegal and any proceeds, we want to know the history of every single coin. And unless you prove, have proof of that work, a proof of where the coin came from and it never touched a black market dealership, whatever. What's to stop that from happening? Um, you know, at, or, or and or do you see other potential COVID-esque risks that could compromise the rosy story of it growing 200% per year. I, I just think that's fairly de minimis. Like it's been growing 200% a year every year for the past 11 years. And you're only going to have 30 years of your life in business. So how long are you going to stare at something which is a screaming successful thing in denial? Peter Schiff has been against Bitcoin for 10 years, he'd be a billionaire right now. He'd be a 10 billionaire right now if he had actually not been against it. You would lose, by resisting it, you would lose 98 to 99% of your wealth over five years if you're in denial of this thing. So there's a cost to being in denial uh, of stuff. Um, let, me, uh, let me just, again, offer a, an example. You know, like if you're in an airplane and somebody puts their elbow through a window and it starts depressurizing and the oxygen gets sucked out of the airplane and then the oxygen mass drops down from the compartment above, are you going to stare at it and debate with me for like two hours about all the black swans and whether or not the oxygen is safe and whether or not you should breathe the oxygen or whether or not you should not breathe the oxygen? Are you going to put the mask on? Like... 
because it's new. You've never used an oxygen mask in an airplane before. If I take you and I drop you in the middle of the, you know, the ocean and you're 50 feet down with the weight around your neck and I hand you scuba equipment and a regular, are you going to put it in your mouth? Are you going to debate with me? And you're going to ask me to twist and try to, what if it's possible that some politician in some country passes some law making it illegal for me to put this regulator in my mouth? It's like, we're really reaching hard here to find a reason to not do the obvious. I want to give you another metaphor. You're at the top of the North Pole at 70 degrees. We're all playing Frisbee. There's one heated igloo on the North Pole. There's a guy at the front door. He charges tick admission, and you can buy a ticket for a dollar. You don't need the ticket. You like it outside. And then some politician turns down the temperature 10 degrees, and the ticket price goes to $10. Oh, uh, you still keep playing, no big deal. And then some politician turns on the temperature another 10 degrees, and the ticket price goes to $100. And you're like, oh, I don't know, I'm not sure. I mean, what's in that igloo? It might be kind of dangerous in that igloo. I think I'll just stay there. So another politician turns on the temperature another 10 degrees, and you're afraid of the igloo. It's dark in there, and maybe it isn't dark, and maybe the food's not so good. And I turn it down another 10 degrees. When it gets to zero degrees, and you're in t shirt, and you start getting bone chilled, the temperature, the the price is going to go to $100,000 to get in. And you still don't know whether or not you can get in. But every intelligent person, you know, walks through the door before you, and they're fine waving at you saying it's warm in here, you're going to freeze to death, Brian. And you're still standing there and the guy cranks the temperature down and there's a Peter Schiff standing next to you going, I don't think you should go into that heated igloo because it's possible the politicians will pass a law making it illegal or taxing you on that heated igloo. And then the politician cranks it down to minus 40 below. And Peter Schiff is still telling you, man, I don't know if it's safe in that igloo. And all your friends are saying, Brian, you idiot. Why don't you come in here and stop freezing to death? It's fine here. You're going to die. And some dude is still going to, yeah, I know, but they, they haven't done anything for 14 years. But I, I don't think, I've never been in an igloo before. I'm afraid. And the point is, every time the Fed or a banker prints 10 or 15% more currency, they are sucking 15% of the energy out of the financial system. That's the same as sucking 15% of the oxygen out of your room. That's the same as lowering the temperature 10 degrees. When I suck the energy out of an adiabatic system, you have heat lapse. You will freeze to death if you don't suffocate. We have a currency collapse going on right now. The only difference is it's going, it was going on at 5% a year in the US. Now it's going on at 25% this year. It's going to go on 15% for the next five years. Same in Europe. It's collapsing at a faster rate in Argentina, Venezuela, Brazil, Nigeria, South Africa, Turkey, Lebanon, fill in the blank. You can stand there living in fear that someone might hypothetically ask you to stop freezing to, or, you know, get out of the igloo. But on the other hand, there's a hundred percent likelihood you're going to freeze to death. If you stand where you are and do nothing, a hundred percent, there's a 1% likelihood that when you actually move into the heated igloo, something unexpected is going to happen that you did not anticipate, or perhaps someone will object 
but you'll be warm. And that is, that is the situation with Bitcoin right now, which is a lot of people are working very hard to come up with some reason why they shouldn't trust a new thing. Meanwhile, it's quite clear that 7.8 billion people on the planet have a problem. Everybody with money on earth is going to lose half their wealth in the next 48 months if they do nothing. If you live, if you're one of the billion people in a collapsing developed economy, you're going to lose everything if you do nothing. The solution is a digital monetary network that doesn't dissipate energy that you can access where, where no one can corrupt it and you can take personal custody of your money, of your monetary energy. Yes, there's uncertainty. For the first time in human history, we invented the thing. It's new. But it's not one year new. It's 11 years, 12 years old. And you don't have to put 100 per by the way, when the oxygen mask drops out of the plane and you're traveling with your 10 kids, are you going to put the mask on one kid to see if they live and let the other nine kids suffocate? Or are you going to put the mask on everybody? Or are you going to put your mask on yourself first? How afraid are you of suffocating versus how afraid are you of using the oxygen? Because Bitcoin is oxygen and it's new. And there's some people... There are some people that are very comfortable in their existence and they think it's okay to ignore it because they're rich and they're comfortable and they're happy. There are some people that dabble in it. Like I think I'll buy one or 2% because it's, I'll speculate in it. And there are some people like if I put you in Argentina and if I, by the way, do you know the exchange rate in Argentina to the dollar right now? No, like, I think it's, uh, I know it's inflating tremendously. It used to be one peso to the dollar, and then yeah. it slid to 10 pesos to the dollar, and then it slid to 20 pesos no, to the dollar. I know they dollar. actually write on it. They actually change. They just cross it out and add con zeros and con. I had a guest on it. Then it slid yeah. to 40 pesos to the dollar. Then it slid to 80 pesos to the dollar. The black market rate is 140 pesos to the dollar. And the dollar has lost half of its value in the 10 years. Yeah. So you've actually lost, what is one divided by 280? It's like, nice if you're living in Argentina 100%. and you have any wealth to speak of, you lost 99% of it. Now, right. are we going to sit and think about ways that we might hype... It's hypothetically possible that a, a politician in Argentina will pass a law requiring that I disclose my Bitcoin or tax it or whatever. But are you going to suffocate your entire family and destroy everything you know based on the hypothetical possibility that someone might object to you choosing to not roll over and die? Because it seems like most of the world would like for us just all roll over and die and shut up and not make a big stink about it. It seems to me that if I come into your house and I start cranking the temperature down until I freeze your children, at some point, maybe you'll have the bravery to open the back door and walk into the backyard and maybe go find a new house. Mm. I mean, like, it's just a matter of courage and maturity at some point. And for those people that just want to spread fear and uncertainty and doubt, I mean, 
Like, what's the future yeah. for humanity if we're going to live in fear of the solution to the problem that plagues us all? Michael's actually right. Uh, he 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 talks like a uh, like a software engineer in a lot of ways. So when I when I hear him give these um, these explanations about Bitcoin, uh, it's like hearing my bosses at work. <laughs> uh, I'm not joking. Uh, in a lot of ways, I, I hear that same kind of rhetoric. Uh, and there's just a lot of technological debt that is built in, in into our current. Uh, a framework for a lot of our institutions and how we tackle uh, these problems, right? Uh, and 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 so I, I totally understand what he's talking about, and I totally get uh, where he's coming from when he looks at uh, people just kind of shoulder their arms uh, at Bitcoin and, and and the possibilities that it could bring. Um, but not wanting to make that move. Um, but uh, up ahead this week here on January 28th, uh, Microsoft is going to give their quarterly earnings call. So that's coming up. And then they also in February are going to be doing a conference, a virtual conference for Bitcoin for corporations. I'll put a link to that here in the show notes. So if you're a company uh, or head of a company that's listening right now and you want to get involved with, you know, allocating Bitcoin to your company's portfolio, you'll be able to do that. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. I've already registered uh, for the conference, so we'll definitely be covering it here on on Thriller Premium, and we'll definitely report on all the uh, day's uh, information. 
So look for that to uh, show up here in February. Um, yeah, I think that's all we got here at the top of the show. Let's get into five good minutes. It's time for five good minutes. This is where we spend five good minutes on one topic that's heating up in the crypto and Bitcoin space. Today, we're going to be talking about Ethereum on the rise. Let's get the clock started. So the world's second largest cryptocurrency by market cap has been surging here in 2021. If you remember, um, it started at $725 here at the start of 2021. And just here this past weekend, it broke its previous all-time high of $1,439. Uh, yeah, pretty crazy. <laughs> it nearly doubled. And trading volumes on the network have also shot up. Uh, more than a trillion dollars in transactions have passed through Ethereum in 2020, uh, putting it roughly on par with payment giant PayPal, all of which suggests that ETH's bull run is set to continue. And then not only that, we had the... Um, the Senate approved the new Treasury Secretary, Janet Yellen. That's right. Uh, she will be the 78th Treasury Secretary, making her the first woman to hold the job. And uh, she is the former chair of the Federal Reserve. And um, that's right. She's going to be approving Biden's new $1.9 trillion coronavirus relief package. And that's going to be printing more fiat currency and further diluting everybody's um, money. And so that's going to make Bitcoin go up, as we all know. And as we all know, that's going to further increase the supply. And as we know, this is going to help the DeFi space and the Ethereum space. And you're probably asking, why is that, Car? Well, that is because it's no secret. United States digital currency is built on the Ethereum blockchain, <laughs> right? Uh, I think uh, for the most part, uh, the secret's out that uh, Ethereum is the kind of uh, choice that a lot of the stable coins are using. And um, most notably, a lot of it's lived on, uh, you know, on the Ethereum blockchain. And let's say Ethereum has seen quite a lot of withdrawals recently that's right 1.5 billion of eth has left exchanges this week and they they were thinking like well maybe it's gone at DeFi, maybe it's gone to eth.2 staking they clearly can't find it and and lo and behold uh they looked at uni and uni shot up to that's right uniswap token shot up to 20 dollars. right who had that on their list of tokens this year this guy, that's right. <laughs> so <laughs> you're welcome. Uh, <laughs> uh, but not only that, uh, it, it looks like it looks like we also have, uh, you know, DeFi is also shooting up uh, as well too, and and that's gonna be another thing that's also gonna run and shoot the price up in Ethereum. If you look at what's going on here in China, because China's always brewing, right? Uh, consensus as you know, has taken over Quorum. If Quorum used to be a part of JP Morgan's blockchain solution, 
and then they abandoned the project in Quorum and then Consensus scooped it up because they have a lot of developers that they work with in-house uh, in kind of their cool little uh, Brooklyn suite. <laughs> and anyway, long story short or short story long, they uh, are now working with the BSN blockchain here in China. We know that they are also working with, uh, the, or I should say the BSN blockchain is also working with Chainlink. So that's a cooking there in China and they're using the open source protocol Quorum, which used to belong to JP Morgan. And I should also say that's good for Ethereum. So as that gets built out, we have Mike Novogratz. He is launching his own Ethereum funds and that is planning to have its own Ethereum native coin Ether attached to it. So a lot of stuff is going on on the Ethereum side. We also have Ethereum futures launching here in February. Can I? Can we get any more bullish for <laughs> Ethereum here, ladies and gentlemen? Um, it's no wonder Ethereum is going up. It's because everybody's placing their chips. I will say one thing though. Um, you know, me personally, I bought in last year at Ethereum when it was at eighty bucks. You know, at two hundred fifty dollars, one hundred eighty dollars. You know, all all year last year, I was I was talking about Ethereum. Um, right now, I'm not buying Ethereum at these prices. Um, I, I would say I would say at this point, if you haven't bought Ethereum, it's it's not a bad idea to get dollar cost average into it. Um, but honestly, um, it it it, it would it wouldn't be it would probably be smarter to, to 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 dollar cost average into Bitcoin instead. If because then I'll say this, you know, this next not this bull run when this bull run ends, the Ethereum is going to go down tremendously, right? Um, at that point, you, this next bear cycle, you'll be able to accumulate Ethereum again, right? Because Ethereum is going to drop down in price much harder than Bitcoin, and so you'll be able to pick up Ethereum during this next big bear market. Um, I will say that, right? Uh, I think I think in the longer term, I think here in the longer term, like here in the next three to four or five years, you definitely want a dollar cost average here into uh, into Ethereum over the longer term. I think if you here in the 1400s, yeah, I mean, if you, if you have a longer term trajectory for what you're looking at these assets, it's probably good a dollar cost average into Ethereum. But honestly, if you're looking here in the shorter term, 18 months, probably smarter to do that with Bitcoin instead. And that's just the honest truth. You know, uh, me personally, I've already I bought into Ethereum a long time ago. <laughs> right. So I'm not buying anything right now into Ethereum, um, you know, so that's kind of where I'm at with Ethereum. But um, yeah, I'm enjoying these gains. I'm, I'm really re ready for 7K. A lot of people are thinking 10K, 20K Ethereum. I really don't see that happening. I think 6K, 5K, 7K Ethereum makes more sense. Um, I think, I think anything above 7k is just kind of hopium. Um, I just don't see anything above 7k. I'd be completely shocked though, if it gets above 7k, but we'll see. Uh, it, it is crypto. Uh, and there's a lot of bullish news, uh, coming into Ethereum. I just don't see institutions really buying into Ethereum this cycle. I can see them coming in the next cycle, but, but not this bull cycle, but that, that's kind of, that's kind of my... It's kind of my uh, play for Ethereum and, and what I see going on right now. But yeah, really big news. Okay, with that, let's get into 
the hard truth. So today in The Hard Truth, we are talking regulation will hurt Bitcoin, says the former CEO of Goldman Sachs. That's right. Lloyd Blankenfein, the former CEO of Goldman Sachs, expressed hesitation about Bitcoin in a new interview. He said it's a dubious store value at a medium exchange. He also expressed concerns about how regulars, I mean, (laughs) it's such a joke, how regulators might handle it. Take a listen to the other main phenomenon on Wall Street right now, which seems to be Bitcoin, uh, which seems to be going mainstream. You have big firms now getting involved in ways that they didn't. Have have your views either evolved or changed around the future of Bitcoin and crypto? Look, I've always been, um, you know, I'm not, you know, it could work. Um, It could work. But really, at the end of the day, you know, a currency is supposed to accomplish a couple of things. It's supposed to be a medium of exchange and a store of value. You know, it's a store of value that can move 10% in a day um, that if you lose the code or you lose the slip of paper, um, it's lost forever. Or if somebody takes it from you, how will you know? So it's, you know, the store of value element's a little bit tough. And as a medium of exchange, here's a problem. You don't know whether or not you're paying the North Koreans or Al-Qaeda or, 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 or the Revolutionary Guard. And at the end of the day, if it ever got big enough to be substantial and a real medium of exchange, how could the regulators, so focused as they are on anti-money laundering, and by the way, for good reason, uh, going back to you know, 9-11, when we found out that following the money is the way you can anticipate and maybe prevent uh, certain crimes. And of course, everybody talks about, you know, the illicit use of Bitcoin. If you cannot monitor who's getting paid in the financial system, how can the regulators, do we want the, do we want that to work out well over the long term? Now, this could, you know, like a lot of things, this could be workable, but it will undermine the freedom and liberty and, and, uh, kind of lack of, uh, lack of transparency that people like about it in the first place. So that's the conundrum that Bitcoin will have to deal itself out. If I were a regulator, I'd be, you know, I would be kind of hyperventilating at at the success of it at the moment. And I'd be arming myself to deal with it. Yeah, it's it's taken them 12 years, um, <laughs> but they're finally getting enough nerve to, to deal with it. Uh, it's a joke. You know, and the sad thing is, is that uh, this is a person who once managed a lot of people's funds right and so he's going on national television and telling people not to invest into bitcoin and scaring them off uh and meanwhile you know behind closed doors they're doing the complete opposite right um they're literally trying to to beat main street from uh uh, from you know making you know making the biggest trade uh of the decade right now by buying bitcoin early uh, and and uh, and, and front loading it uh, because they know what every every single one of us knows is that this is going to be the flight to safety that everybody's going to need 
And uh, that's why they're trying to scoop it up. And, and, you know, and it's one thing to see this, right? And then it's another thing to see what's really going on behind the scenes. And that's why you have the Rothschilds Investment Fund. And they just spent $1.4 billion <laughs> in Bitcoin. This was disclosed on Monday. And uh, yeah, <laughs> so all the rich people are are buying uh, Bitcoin, it seems, right? And, and uh, they just bought Grayscale's Bitcoin. So yeah, okay. Okay, we believe you, uh, right? And then meanwhile, we have Harvard, Yale, Brown, all those endowments have been buying Bitcoin for at least a year. That's according to Coindesk. Uh, okay, so you're telling us uh, don't buy Bitcoin because it's going to get regulated and, and and pieces of paper that we should be afraid of. <laughs> okay, uh, so yeah, we believe you, right? Uh, and then also uh, looks like crypto banks are coming for fintech. Uh, this is according to an article from Decrypt. That's right. In 2021, banks now own crypto. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, who runs banks? Oh, regulators do. Well, well, that's interesting. He just said that regulators were going to have a problem dealing with Bitcoin. Uh, well, why are regulators letting uh, banks uh, now own crypto and Bitcoin? Huh. I wonder if they've come to the conclusion that Bitcoin and crypto is okay. Huh. Maybe a comptroller has written a letter or something saying it's okay. Oh, he did? Oh, was his name Brian Brooks? Oh, did we report on that a few weeks ago? Oh, we did? Oh, are we in the know? Oh, we are? <laughs> Come on, people. Like, this is why I feel sorry for people who aren't in the know, people who watch the mainstream news, and people who don't do their own research because they don't know what's going on, and they literally listen to talking heads that are telling them the complete opposite of what's really going on. This is sad. And and this is financial news, right? This is this this is information that people are going to go out and make investment um uh, uh decisions on, right? Based on what they see on CNBC. And this is somebody who's a, the ex-CEO of Goldman Sachs telling them this. And and this is news being reported from Decrypt today, right? That banks are coming, crypto banks are coming for fintech. And then not only that, we have the Skybridge Capital CEO, Brett Messing, saying Bitcoin could reach $500,000 because institutional investors are seeing that Bitcoin is vital <laughs> because they see a cash crisis on the horizon. Huh, that's funny. Um, all these institutional investors are running to Bitcoin, but the ex-CEO of, of Goldman Sachs saying the complete opposite. Interesting. Why is that? Why is he telling regular people who watch commercialized television on CNBC not to buy Bitcoin, that it's it's a it's a scary investment and regulators are coming for it. Oh, some more news? Some more news, should I? Oh, yeah. Coinbase is now doing a secondary market for its private shares because they are about to head into a public stock listing. That's right. They're going to be on the NASDAQ here in the, in the coming months. And right now, they are doing their pre-IPO. And how much do you think their stock is worth? <laughs> just just quick guess. How much do you think their stock is worth? Oh, I would say probably about $300 a share, uh, which puts them around 75 to $100 billion. Yeah, uh, a little, you know, you know, you know, that little crypto 
a Bitcoin exchange. Uh, yeah, yeah, that little that little regulated Bitcoin and crypto exchange. Yeah, yeah, that little one. Yeah. Did I also mention that GameStop here just uh, announced that they're going to be closing, you know, 100 stores here in America. And uh, there is a pump and dump here done on Reddit this week, this past week. And uh, the, I, I think I forget which exchange it was, but they had to they had to stop trading because it went from five dollars a share to over one hundred dollars a share, and um, that was highly regulated. But they were able to uh, people were able to were able to do whatever they wanted and pump and dump the shit out of GameShare stock. But here on crypto and Bitcoin exchanges we're regulated as fuck and we can't even do that anymore. <laughs> so you tell me which is the uh, regulated exchange market and which one isn't. It seems like the crypto and Bitcoin markets are a little bit more regulated than the regular stock market. Um, just a wild, just a wild guess. And it's, it's funny that I, you know, you see that these days, because it almost seems that we're more highly regulated than the traditional stock market. And it's because we have a lot of uh, highly, you know, very, very uh, sophisticated people looking at our <laughs> market uh, all the time for any and whatever wrongdoing uh, all the time. Right. They're just looking for any reason to pounce on us. Uh, look at BitMEX, for example, right? Uh, look at uh, Tether, for example, right? So yeah, we, we are highly regulated. So <laughs> when when people say, uh, you know, there's shenanigans going on, I'm like, come on, man. Like seriously, North Korea, really? Uh, no, not even close. Not even close. Not in 2021. Not even close. We are so far from you know, the wild west, it's not even funny anymore. Maybe in the DeFi space, you can get away with that, you know, on Ethereum, maybe in the DeFi space, you can get away with stuff like that still, but not in the Bitcoin or in the, in the exchange space, not anymore, not in 2021, not even close, right? Maybe on the Ethereum space, you can do that. And that's going to have to be its own thing, but not with what's going on here in Bitcoin and the crypto exchange space, not even close. Maybe what they're doing there, you know, processes where it's uh, where U.S. jurisdiction is not being, um, you know, conducted. But like, nah, not even close. Okay. So I'm still working on that Polkadot Thriller Insider coming out here, hopefully this week. Um, there's a lot of FUD to fight through that, by the way. So I'm going to try to be as uh, nuanced and uh, fair as I can possibly be and really keep it to the technical uh, side of things uh, because there's a lot of FUD out there. Uh, it, it reminds me a lot of what... Uh, uh, what it was like to dive into Chainlink uh, 
believe it or not. And it's kind of interesting too, because we dived into Polkadot a year ago and it wasn't this much FUD surrounding it. So it really shows you what it's like to dive into it, uh, something technically during a bull run. You have to fight the bud to really get into the nitty gritty of, of, of how everything is, is functioning these days uh, according to what the project looks like. Um, so yeah, look for that to come out later this week. We also got Bitcoin in February coming out this weekend. So yeah, that's going to be a lot of fun. See you next time.